Shale, what if I gave you 85,000 free cups of coffee in one year? <laughs> that sounds like a, a beautiful, impossible dream. Uh, and also like way too much coffee. <laughs> I can do it for you. I don't believe you. I can sort of do it for you. Yeah. Okay. I knew there was some sort of catch. Go on. Okay. Here, here's the secret. Go walk around your house. I know you're in a new house now. I'm presuming that you have everything plugged in. Find all your electronics that are constantly running. Unplug them. Keep them off for a whole year. And then you'll save enough energy to make 85,000 cups of coffee. Huh. Yeah, that's a lot of cups of coffee. And that's right. I mean, it's um, because it's always on 24-7. It may not be a lot uh, at one point in time. But because it's 24-7, uh, it adds up to a lot of energy. And, you know, yes, you could brew a lot of cups of coffee with that amount of energy use. All right. I have uh, many questions, but uh, first, who was that? That's Pierre Laforge of the Natural Resources Defense Council. This guy is a guru of always-on devices, and we're going to hear more from him later in the show. Who knew, first of all, that there is such a thing as a guru of always-on devices? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, so I've heard about always-on devices for years, but honestly had no idea how much power they actually use. I assume 85,000 cups of coffee per year means a lot? Yeah, yeah, a lot, at least on average. And that's what we're talking about in this episode, the little vampires in our homes that are collectively, silently sucking up energy, and they do add up to a lot. We're going to address one of those vampires in particular, a little device that probably sits in your home. But first, a quick word about our sponsor, Wonder Capital. Wonder has an industry-leading platform that makes it easy to invest in solar projects while earning up to 7.5% annually. It also takes the pain out of financing for solar project developers. So if you want to learn more about how Wonder supported $869 million in projects already this year, listen to our special episode that we just posted, or go to wondercapital.com gtm. This is The Interchange, conversations on the future of energy from Green Tech Media. Welcome, everyone. I'm Stephen Lacey, the editor-in-chief at Green Tech Media with my co-host, Shale Khan. Shale's the senior VP of research and strategy over at Energy Impact Partners. Hey, Shale. Hey, Stephen. This week, always on devices. Why those little vampire gadgets around your house are draining more of your money than you think. So, Shale, you just moved into a new house. We're both fairly new homeowners. you newer than I am. How many always on devices do you think you have around your home? See if you can count them for me. So it's a good question. We we did just move in, so probably fewer than we will ultimately have. Also, I'm not, you know, this reflects something, but I'm not entirely sure which devices are actually always on. But so, okay, I definitely have a, a refrigerator and a freezer that are always on. I have a, a television that has a Roku that powers on and off really quickly. So I presume that that has some always on load. I've got like a a laptop and a monitor. My wife has the same thing. Those might be pulling power. I have no idea what other kitchen appliances are always pulling power and which ones are not. I think the microwave certainly pulls a little bit, um, but I don't know how much. So, I mean, the answer is there's, there's a lot of them, but I have absolutely no clue how much they're using. So no heated towel racks or musical toilets or anything like that? Well, not yet, but obviously that's coming. (laughs) It sounds like you have a pretty standard always-on load, and the devices that you outlined 
do make up the base of our typical always on load. And in fact, if you're like other California residents, once your house is truly up and running, that load could amount to 20% or more of your electrical use. So Pierre Laforge with NRDC, the guy you heard at the top of the program, he looked into this with some colleagues a few years back. I called them up to ask him about it. We found that, no, actually using smart meter data from 70,000 homes in California, so a really large sample, we found that Always On was responsible for 23% of the, these homes' electricity use. So nearly a quarter of all the electricity used by these homes in Northern California was due to Always On. So it's, it's very significant. And in terms of cost, um, it, no, we, we calculated that it was on, for the average U.S. home, it amounted to around $165 a year. Um, so, you know, that, that's significant. I mean, you can get a bunch of good meals with that. Um, and when you add it up across the more than 110 or so million homes uh, across the U.S., that adds up to big power plants with, you know, significant, uh, I think it's about $19 billion of uh, energy bills uh, in, in a, used by this always on that is basically not providing any value to the user. It's just, uh, you know, drawing power and, and, and uh, weighing on their wallets without providing value. Just imagine if this $19 billion was used on something more useful than energy waste, and you know, that would be uh, that could create more jobs and, and, and provide more value to the economy. So if you have a toilet seat that talks to you, a washing machine that sings to you, a refrigerator that speaks to your utility, your always-on load is probably a lot higher than it would have been just a few years ago. Yeah, but but it doesn't have to be right. It's, it's, this doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a smart uh, fridge or toilet seat or whatever. It means that they should be designed so that they don't waste power. Um, and and again, you know, I think it's we have the technology, and and some manufacturers do a really good job at designing these devices. Uh, and you can see it in in smartphones. Smartphones because they have a limited battery. Uh, and, and, you know, it's important for users that they last a long time on, on their small battery. They are designed to sip power to be super energy efficient. And if these design principles that are used on smartphones and other portable electronics were applied broadly across all devices, this problem would be a lot smaller than it is. So did I convince you that they're a big deal, Shale? Are you wandering around your house now, like rechecking all your appliances? Yes. I mean, there's certainly a big deal in aggregate. I think we already knew that. And that's also why we were interested to to cover this topic. Um, I guess I'm what, I, what I'm most interested in is is why. If, as, as Pierre mentioned, we have these smartphones that are just incredible, right? They have these really long battery lives. They can do amazing things. They have a ton of computing power and processing power, and they do it by using so much less energy. Why do we have all these devices around the house that are pulling so much more load and doing what seems like so much less? Well, that's the big question we've been trying to answer. And that's why the two of us found ourselves over at Sense Labs a couple weeks ago uh, in I'm Cambridge talking to a hardware engineer named right Joe Sense. Bamberg. What are we looking at right now? So we are looking at a torn down uh, Comcast X1 DVR unit. Hang on one second. Before we, uh, before we go any further with Sense, don't we, we probably need some disclosures here. Yes, some pretty major disclosures, actually. So maybe you should go first. Right. So I'm, I'm excited for uh, all the interesting analysis that Sense did for us. And 
we're going to hear. But um, on my side, major disclosure is that Energy Impact Partners, the firm where I work, is a proud investor in Sense. We sit on the board, so we are obviously in favor of their success. Yes. Also, Sense was a sponsor of the Energy Gang at the beginning of this year, our other podcast. I am also a customer of Sense. So GTM has done business with Sense, but they have no influence over this story whatsoever. They simply just approached us with some interesting data, and we took it from there. Okay, so back to Joe Bamberg over at Sense. We're standing there in the middle of the lab, surrounded by electronics, and we're looking at this circuit board with Joe. It's an open Comcast DVR X1 unit, and he's got this little laser gun that he can read where heat is coming up from the chips. So this is actually just a IR temperature gun. So this shoots out a laser and it can measure the temperature with uh, with uh, infrared light. So, so you so you take the thing apart and then you point this heat gun effectively at the individual components on the inside, and then the heat is proportional to the energy consumption, the power consumption, and that's how you figure out what within the box is pulling how much power, and then you can do that on a relative basis when you when you put it in power save mode or put it in standby mode? Exactly. Yep, that's it. That's exactly right. What actually happens? So if I if I do have a Comcast DVR right now and I put it in power save mode, what can you tell about what happens to the box? Um, as far as I can tell, the LED turns off. <laughs> power is the the voltage times the current, right? It's a, it's a pretty simple calculation. And what, and, um, and what we can do, it, it beca- it's difficult to measure the power consumption of the individual chips on here, um, just because they're so complicated and each chip has generally multiple power supplies on it, and it, it it's really kind of a bear. But what we can do is we can measure the total current consumption, we put a controlled voltage source on it, and then we put a inline ammeter and we can we can measure it and so what ends up happening is um in this in the lab right here it's not a completely accurate setup because we don't have a a cable signal coming in but i did this on multiple set top boxes in people's homes under normal operating conditions and what we found is uh uh, in normal operating at at this you can see the supply is set to 12 volts this is kind of how we had it set up we bypassed their power supply so we can make these measurements. And um, watching, like, I don't know, uh, HGTV or something like that, you're going to draw, it, it fluctuates a little bit, but around 1.8, 1.9 amps. Um, when you put turn this thing off, um, you know, hold in the button, the light goes off, your TV says no signal present, you're drawing about 1.7 amps. You know, so you're really looking at two tenths, a tenth, two tenths of an amp, which equates to like a, a watt, watt and a half, somewhere, somewhere in in that range. Um, and to the to the user, if you don't have this hooked up, I mean, it appears for all intents and purposes like that this thing is shut off and powered down, and and it it's really not. This the the Comcast uh, X1 box appears to be sort of the worst offender here, and there are some counterexamples of like the Xbox has a good one apparently, and the PS4. So what are they doing? Do they just have a chip that has an actual power save mode, and, and they're actually turning it on, or is it something different? Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what it is. They're they 
are being smart about how they design not their not only their hardware but their software to take advantage of the low power states that are available to them um yeah i, I think it's just uh making it a priority to to reduce the energy consumption and to to be more efficient in in the way that you use use power so right now that there are a lot of mobile devices out there right things that are wireless sensors that are wireless and those designers they need to be very cognizant about how much power things are using because in general they're battery powered right and you they either need to be recharged and, and tethered at a certain point or like for some sensors in the field that's not even possible and then they just get replaced so they need to be very aware of the energy consumption of the, the the things that they're designing. The the problem with these kind of boxes is that they're connected directly to your walls. So the designers, when they when they when they design it, that's a secondary or tertiary issue for them, unless somebody makes it a priority. So and, and what it takes is somebody somewhere that has the pull to to make these a priority. Or someone sitting in a lab somewhere, tinkering, opening it up, and and <laughs> telling the world about it. It's shaming, yeah, it's shaming. <laughs> Shale, are you still in the mood for some shaming? I don't know about shaming per se, but I definitely feel that a bit of righteous indignation is warranted here. (laughs) Coming up, a little righteous indignation, and then we'll hear straight from the cable industry. First, a quick word about our sponsor, Wonder Capital. Diversify your portfolio by investing in solar projects with Wonder Capital. Thanks to its innovative platform and investors like you, Wonder grew from financing $192 million in projects in the first half of 2017 to $869 million in the first half of 2018. That is 33 megawatts of commercial solar projects. If you want to hear how Wonder does it, listen to our last episode featuring the story of a solar bromance between Wonder Capital and New Columbia Solar. And if you want to invest in solar projects and earn up to 7.5% annually, go to wondercapital.com GTM. That's Wonder with a U. Wonder Capital, where impact investing meets capitalism. So I came away from that conversation with Joe pretty convinced that something isn't quite right. How about you? Yeah. Look, I, th- I think we have a couple of separate questions here. The first question is, are these DVR boxes and, all- and other always-on devices as energy efficient as they can be? And so there, to me, the answer seems, uh, at least based on what we're hearing from Sense, the answer seems to be no. They could be more energy efficient than they are. And then second, are we as consumers sufficiently informed about always-on energy consumption? In other words, do we have the information that we need to understand how much energy these energy these devices use and how to minimize that and minimize the cost to us. And there, the answer seems to be, at least in this case, even stronger, which is absolutely no. In fact, we're actively being misled if there's such a thing as a power save mode on one of these devices, but that power save mode actually saves something like, what, 5% of a device's load. If you don't know, I think it's it's pretty reasonable to assume that most consumers will bet that the power save mode will save most of the energy as opposed to a de minimis amount of it. So yeah, that seems off to me. So I agree with one thing you said and slightly disagree with another. I do agree that we've established a pretty clear fact, which is 
power save mode does virtually nothing compared to regular operation of the box. And actually, this is not an industry secret. It's not like the cable companies are hiding this. There is documentation as part of voluntary efficiency agreements that were set up among manufacturers and the cable companies themselves. So this one to two watt drop is actually pretty standard across the industry. So it's a thing. What I'm not prepared to say is that there's some nefarious plot here to bilk consumers. You know, Comcast explains what power save mode is on its website, and it doesn't provide any figures for power save mode. So it's not like they're just telling consumers that there's this one performance metric and they're not hitting it. Um, with that said, they do suggest on their website that power save mode is, quote, a feature that saves you money by reducing the amount of energy your TV box uses. And it's pretty clear that that money is very small. You know, you're talking probably four or five bucks a year, given that, you know, one to two watt drop. Right. And I, I think that's where we can feel a little bit of that indignation we were talking about, which is they're not they're definitely not lying. I don't see any evidence that they're saying something that isn't true, but that doesn't mean it's not misleading. When a company says that a, a certain feature is going to quote unquote save you money, I think, you know, one, it's reasonable to expect that that's a somewhat significant amount of money, more than a few dollars a year. And second of all, I think more broadly than the save you money thing, just having something called power save mode means you should be able to expect you're going to save significant power. Just as an example, you know, if I if I'm running low on battery in my laptop and I put it into sleep mode, which is basically power save mode, or I put it into low power mode, which my computer also has, I expect a significant difference in terms of the amount of energy that it is drawing and in that case how long I can use the laptop for as a result. I, I if it were a 5% difference, I would be underwhelmed and frustrated. And the only reason that that doesn't happen with these DVR boxes is that you just don't have that kind of visibility because it's plugged in. Right. And that's where the friction is. So this is probably a good place to bring in Mike Phillips, who's the CEO of Sense. And after we watched Joe tinker around in the lab there, we sat down with Mike. Mike is an electrical engineer, and he helped pioneer some of the earliest speech recognition technologies while at MIT. He was a research scientist there. He actually worked on software that was foundational to Apple's Siri. And you know what we were doing there was using uh, signal processing, machine learning, and a consumer-facing application to let people interact with their phones and, and, and access content and information. Um, that company got bought in 2012, and then myself and a few others decided to, to take what we knew from the speech recognition world and figure out how do we apply it to energy. Yeah, so Mike is not an expert on set-top boxes in particular, but he does know hardware and software inside out, and he's become a bit obsessive about these always-on devices. And as more people use Sense, they're getting a clearer and clearer picture of how much energy they use down at the device level. And, you know, Sense has been finding that these always-on devices in aggregate consume regularly 25-30% of the total energy in a home, which really does add up to significant impact on the environment and significant cost to customers. So that's, that's you know, what Sense has been finding across its customer base is, is more or less right in line with what uh, Pierre LaForge told you. Yeah, I thought that was super compelling that you have this basically device level analysis that shows very similar results as this top down national analysis. Uh, I would like to pause for a quick moment and gloat for a second because I checked my Sense app. I, I regularly monitor it. And my always on usage 
only makes up about 6 to 8% of my total energy use. So that's about the same wattage throughout my house as a couple of those Comcast DVR boxes. That is way lower than what the normal always-on load is. Mm-hmm. Is that because you, apart from podcasting all the time, you just live like an Amish lifestyle? Are you <laughs> off the grid? According to my wife, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, okay, good for you. Uh, we're, we're all very proud of you here in Interchange Land for having such low always on. I know, I know that you were basically just setting up this whole episode so that you could virtue signal to our audience. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason why I wanted to cover this topic. Right. All right. Well, so back to Mike Phillips. Um, so when we first talked to him about this and, uh, you know, got this analysis from, from Sense, I was thinking, you know, that's interesting, but is it really that big of a deal? Um, but after walking through it, I was reminded, you know, at the individual level, it's not that big, but what it really means in aggregate is huge. Yeah, it's an interesting story because we're starting to put some functionality in the application such that once we know you have you know, a, a PS4 box or a this or that router in your home, we will estimate what that always on is and give you some good feedback on there. So we're starting to do some studies of how these things actual wor- actually work in the field. And we started to get confused because we were looking at some of the DVR boxes. Uh, and in fact, the, the one in my house is a Comcast uh, DVR box, and we were doing some analysis of it and found that it's using 26 watts all, all the time. Uh, and you, you actually can't even turn it off anymore. That little off button on the remote control uh, doesn't turn it off. And, and their explanation for that is, well, if we let you turn it off with the remote control, then the TV and the remote control might get out of sync because they want to use the same power button for both. Okay, fine. I, I think they might have been able to fix that in some other way. They could. There's a user interface uh, issue for how you could fix that. But anyway, leave that aside. They have a solution for it, which is there's a power saving mode. So you can go into the menus, you go through a couple levels, you can set it up a, uh, a turn it off when I'm not using it. So it notices that you haven't pushed any buttons on the remote control in an hour, and it turns the TV off. That's great. It's a little bit annoying because if you're watching a long movie and you don't push a button, it comes up and says, hey, do you want to turn off your, you're going to go in power saving mode, click here to, to continue. So that's fine. I'm willing to do that to save some power. And then after it does go in power saving mode, the next day you, you turn on the TV and it says, save 20 hours of power. So you feel good about it. Uh, but here's the thing. We were measuring uh, what that power saving mode does. It goes from 26 watts when it's on full blast running to 24 and a half watts. Uh, in power saving mode. So, so one, and a half, one and a half watt saving to me is not, was not worth all that stuff I just mentioned. And I'm not trying to discourage from pe- people from turning it off. What, what the point is that they should make a real power saving mode instead of a, a, we call it fake power saving mode, but it's pretty minimal. Yeah. And you, you know, we, the users get very little visibility into that. We, not only does Comcast doesn't tell you, you know, when you put it in power saving mode, you can expect to save whatever that is, 14% of the power, uh, or actually it's less than 10% of the power that you'd get. Otherwise, they just tell you it's a power save mode. So you assume it's going to save a lot of the power. And I presume this could be the case. In fact, I know this could be the case with any device that has a power save mode, unless they tell you here's what you would be using and here's what it would be in power save. Well, that's the big question. If you're finding this for DVR boxes, what else should we be worried about? Yeah, well, I, I think we all need to worry about all of it. And, you know, we, we are looking at, at, at other devices. That There are many devices that do a great job of it. Uh, you know, Samsung TVs, for example, are doing a really good job of this. When they really go into power-saving mode, they, they, they go to some minimal usage, which is good. 
Um, something like a Microsoft Xbox, on one hand, does a good job of power saving mode. On the other hand, they have it off by default and make it hard to turn on. Uh, the Sony PS4 actually does, PlayStation 4 actually does a really good job and makes it on by default. Um, but again, it says DVRs, and, and how do we know? Uh, and in fact, in the Comcast case, it's even more more confusing because it are deceptive. It goes in this power saving mode. The little light on the front of the box turns off, and we think maybe the entire one and a half watts of savings may come from the light just turning off that tells you that it's on. And that that to me is not a real power saving mode to to save the energy that that from the light that tells you that it's on. And that's it. So I first heard about this little Comcast DVR box story, and my first thought was like, oh man, that's that's annoying, but it's small beans, 26 watts, not that much. But you guys pointed out that there are a lot of these boxes in operation across the country. So can you just give us like an order of magnitude of how big a deal is this in aggregate? Yeah, you're right that 26 watts, you know, is not a ton. But but yes, the, the, there's over 100 million of these things out there. And I'm not talking now just about Comcast. I'm talking about the entire DVR industry. Um, you know, we added it all up, and it's it's like it's, it's about a bit over one percent of total residential U.S. power uh, uh, goes to powering DVR boxes that that you think are off and could be off. And, and a one percent by itself, okay, but one percent of entire U.S. power—that's one point six billion dollars a year of your money being spent for that. It's like the equivalent of four coal-fired power plants just running full time to power all these DVR boxes that have their lights turned off that say that they're off, but they're really still on. So the folks at Sense have made a pretty compelling case, but there's a pretty important player in this story who we haven't heard from yet. Right, Comcast. Yes, but not just Comcast. The cable industry itself. Or actually, in our case, a lawyer representing the cable industry. Uh-huh. When you called the lawyer, did you have to uh, wait and listen to hold music on the phone for an hour in order to get in touch with them? <laughs> no, thankfully no. But after some back and forth with Comcast through email, this guy was actually pretty easy to get in touch with and frankly eager to talk with us. His name is Paul Hudson. He's been representing the cable and telecom industries for a long time, and he actually helped draft the voluntary efficiency agreements that bind these cable companies and device manufacturers together. Uh, you know, energy efficiency is in our interest, too. So Pierre and Mike threw out similar frames, right, that there are millions and millions of set-top boxes that add up to many power plants' worth of energy because we're only dropping a water to and in power-save mode. And in fact, this load is getting bigger because there are more always-on devices that are taking over our homes. Well, Paul agreed with that, actually, but when it comes to set-top boxes, he flipped the argument on its head. I think the, the, the Comcast model that you, you talked about to me, um, that's not in any way an aberration. That's When you look at the reports, that's pretty typical of, of, of the industry, um, that, that sort of one to two watt range. You describe that as tiny, but it is significant at the national level. I mean, there are about 200 million set-top boxes out there, and if they're all able to go into a standby mode that saves two watts, that, you know, that adds up to, um, I think, over, over two terawatts of, uh, per year, which is you know, close to a, a coal-run power plant's uh, annual output. All right. So he's basically saying, it's, it, first of all, it's well known that the power save mode only drops load by a watt or two, but that 
even at that level, because there are so many of these devices, it's still saving a lot of energy. And then he's also saying even more than that, like efficiency improvements overall in those devices are what we should be focused on, not just power save mode. Exactly. And according to Paul, the efficiency of DVR units has improved by 46% since 2012. And this is because of these collective efforts by the cable industry. They came together, they created voluntary standards, and they've executed on them. Yeah, so good for them on that front. Um, but I wonder whether 46% is really something I'm supposed to be super impressed with. What about the argument that the set-top boxes should be following the the iPhone or the, the mobile phone model? That like, you know, 46% versus a what was an unnecessarily high base in 2012 is not that impressive and they could still be doing a lot better. Yeah, for sure. And I asked him about that. So I think the reason why I've described those savings as small is because when you compare them to, say, a, an iPhone X, you know, you're looking at an the iPhone basically can use internet for 12 hours, talk for 19 hours, and you can and it it's and while it's operating, it uses a watt of power. And when the Comcast device is on, or any of these devices, it's not necessarily unique to Comcast. It's using around 25, 26 watts of power. Um, the pro- if you look, kind of compare the processing power of the two, they're r- roughly the same. Um, but the you know the iPhone X actually has 2.39 gigahertz processor. The Comcast X1 has a 1.3 gigahertz processor. Um, so I guess my point is that like you have this device in your pocket that has more computing power than we use to get to the moon that uses one watt of power how come we can't get these devices um these set-top boxes to use a similar amount of power yeah, i mean i'm not an engineer and and i you know i wouldn't want to 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 purport to be able to offer a, a comprehensive answer to that but i you know i will say that set-top boxes the functions that they perform in terms of um, providing access rapidly uh, to the customer uh, when they want to turn the TV on, keeping um, an authenticated service that's in constant communication, you know, with a, a network that's not, you know, in your home, it's uh, it's communicating with the network. That there's a lot of functionality in the set-top boxes that require um, more energy, but there's no one out there with uh, a DVR uh, or a device that delivers DVR-like service. Um, in a pay TV network anywhere in the world that's, that's using power levels like, um, you know, like you're describing for, for an iPhone. And, and so it's not just a matter of we're, you know, we're buying from a particular manufacturer who, who develops energy hog devices. That's the, that's, that's what the market has produced. Um, you know, we buy our equipment from, from manufacturers. We don't, don't make it ourselves. And, and I think there's, um, you know, they, we were very, happy with the fact that they've those manufacturers have made lots of progress in bringing down energy levels but i think it's it's apples and oranges to try to compare an iphone and a, and a set-top box it sounds like the industry is walking a very fine line between performance improvements efficiency and customer convenience yeah that, that's that's right and and i mean we're we're in a service business um it's a business that you know Historically, has had challenges with customer satisfaction, and all the companies are very well aware of that and take it very seriously today. And 
but it's a tough business to, to be good at um, sometimes. And, and, you know, when a DVR is using five cents of energy a day, um, you know, if we cut that to, to three cents, but have more service problems, that's, that's not a great business proposition for anyone. And, and frankly, if we have to run a truck one time to the customer's house because of issues from, from uh, say a standby power, not, not um, operating um, well, the, the gas from that trip dwarfs and swamps any savings from, you know, the little bit of electricity that those devices are using. So, yeah, I mean, certainly the energy decisions that we make have to be balanced with the overall approach to, to providing you know, good service to, to customers. Okay, so we've taken one of these boxes apart. We've talked to a couple hardware engineers. We talked to the cable industry. We talked to an energy efficiency expert. Shale, how are you feeling about it all? Are you still feeling that same righteous indignation? Yeah, I think it's been maybe blunted a little bit, but I still feel like this is not, we're not, we're not meant to be louding the cable industry here. I still got two big issues. One being, it's hard for me to like, without being an expert, uh, it is, it is still hard for me to imagine that these set top boxes couldn't be in just basic mode consuming a lot less energy. It still seems like they have pretty high always on load. And I think the reason for that more than anything else is that they haven't really been forced to focus on energy consumption. You know, the reason that the iPhone is able to do it so well is that the life of a single charge is like one of the most important factors in determining whether a customer is going to buy your phone and it, you know the manufacturers compete on that that's not true of the set top boxes both because people don't have visibility for the most part into how much energy it's consuming and because in many cases consumers don't really have that many choices so i just i have to believe they could be doing better i appreciate that there are voluntary agreements in place and and i'm happy with the efforts that have been underway i'd like to see more to me that's even a lesser point though that i still i'm hung up on power save mode look it's great to have a power save mode but you should only have a power save mode if it's going to make a meaningful difference don't hide behind you know this five percent improvement in power save mode adds up to a lot in aggregate the presumption, and I think this is borne out by the analysis Sense was doing, is that there, it's possible to do a real power save mode. And a real power save mode could drop the load of one of these devices from, say, 26 watts to, I don't know, 10 watts or less. That is an order of magnitude more than the current power save mode does. So I just get, you know, I, I want, if people are going to put in the effort to to try to save their always on load, to try to reduce it, then they should be able to do so and they shouldn't be misled by the fact that there's a button that they push that does very little. Yeah, I agree. There's there's two tracks to this story for me. One is power save mode, the other is the overall efficiency of these devices. And I'm less sympathetic to Comcast and other cable companies and the device manufacturers about power save mode. You know, they're not claiming any particular performance metrics. That we have to make very clear. But if you go on their website, they do make it sound like power save mode is actually a thing, and it's not really a thing. So I agree with you there. But I am more sympathetic with the, the, the broad range of companies in this space that are ultimately 
responsible for producing these boxes and getting them to consumers because they did come together and they created a set of rules that are well beyond what the Energy Efficiency Energy Star program did. The Department of Energy had set targets. Everyone considers Energy Star to be um, a really important standard for appliances across the spectrum. And these folks came together and said, we can do way better. And they set, you know, two-year markers, and they've dropped every two years, I think, like 14 or 15% in energy consumption, and they've done more. Now, that's not to say that they can't do a lot more and that there aren't other devices out there that are probably performing a lot more computing power with far less energy. But I will give credit to the cable companies for actually doing something about this when no one else is really forcing them. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they could get away with it in all likelihood because consumers don't think that much about their energy consumption in general, and it's not affecting their ability to use the devices. The other thing I would say, I guess, just stepping back, I think that, so we talk a lot um, about long-term decarbonization of the economy and the electricity sector. And we spend a lot of time focusing on these like big components of that transition to renewable based generation and energy storage and all, you know, electric vehicles and all that kind of stuff. But if you actually look at the models that are trying to figure out how we can transition to a largely, if not entirely decarbonized economy, they rely a lot on an aggregate of a bunch of small things as well. Those things, especially being energy efficiency and load control. And those sound uh, like a big deal in aggregate on their own, what they really are is going one by one through every single sort of source of load in the home or in commercial industrial enterprises, figuring out how to one, reduce that energy consumption, and then potentially two, control it according to the needs of the grid. Um, That's a lot of little individual things. So this is a good example of one of those little individual things that if there are 110 million of these spread out across the United States can make a big difference if fixed at the manufacturer level. So it matters in my mind. I think you're just bummed that this story didn't allow you to get as angry as you wanted. I'm just bummed that this story didn't give me 85,000 free cups of coffee. (laughs) Well, I can't promise you the coffee, but, you know, maybe I can promise you a feature story on Equifax or United Airlines or another company that we can capture that raw rage that I know you have in you. Oh, man, I fly United Airlines all the time. I am I am at the ready to rail against United Airlines at any time. <laughs> That's it for the show, folks. Hit us up on Twitter at Interchange Show with your thoughts about always on devices. How much are your devices consuming? Do you know what your load is? What are you doing to manage them? How much responsibility should the device manufacturers bear? If you're an engineer, maybe you can clarify more. Should we be thinking about DVR boxes in the same way that we're thinking about smartphones? And I think there's you know a lot we need to uncover there. So go find us at Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts or anywhere you get your shows. Give us a rating, give us a review, and then send a link on to your friends and colleagues, people who might be interested in this show. Thanks for joining us with Shale Khan. I'm Stephen Lacey, and this is The Interchange, conversations about the future of energy from Green Tech Media.